You're listening to Unexpected, the podcast bringing you real conversations from those of us who have suffered pregnancy and infant loss. With comfort and hope for the future, I'm your host, Ashley Bitterman. Today I'm talking to Ash, who takes me through her traumatic history of suffering five pregnancy losses in just two years, two of which were partial molar pregnancies. So Ash, you are my first guest from Australia, so I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Um, You are in the future for me, so don't tell me what happens yet. Um, But talk to me a little bit about your upbringing. What was it like? What was your family life like? Yeah, so um, I grew up in the top end of Australia, um, in Darwin, in the NT, um, with my parents, and I've got a brother and sister, so I'm the eldest of three. Um, my father was in is in the police, um, so we moved kind of back and forth between um, Darwin, which is, a, I guess, the major town in the NT, um, and then Catherine, which is a much smaller town, but it's about three hours away. Um, so we kind of hopped back and forth between there. Um, and then I've been in Darwin um, for about 15 years now. Um, went to high school with my partner. Um, so we've been together 11 years now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've got a four-year-old daughter um, and we've been trying to conceive number two for about two and a half years now. Wow. Okay. So before we jump into like the heavier part of the conversation, I like to start yeah. with some levity. Yes. It's called one, two, three. So what is is one thing you cannot live without two of your all-time favorite movies and three celebrities you'd want to have dinner with? Oh, okay. Um, One thing I cannot live without would be my daughter. Um, Two, what was the second one? Sorry. Two of your all-time favorite movies. Um, a Cinderella story, the one with Hilary Duff. Oh, <laughs> wow, good choice. The one with Hilary Duff. Yeah. Um, that is my go-to. I'm having a bad day and I need to sit down and watch something yes, easy all need, and beautiful. All yes. yes. Um, and the Harry Potter franchise oh, um, in its entirety. <laughs> um, and then three celebrities, um, Luke Combs. Um, okay. Luke Bryan, all, all the Lukes. All the Lukes. Um, and probably, I'm going to say Carrie Underwood as number three. Okay, so you're like a huge country music fan. Yes. <laughs> okay, awesome. Good choices. Do you watch American, do you get an American Idol there? Yes, we do. Okay, because yes. <laughs> both Carrie Underwood and Luke Bryan are yes. representing American Idol. Yes. Good choices. So you mentioned you have one daughter. She's the one person you can't live without, which is one thing. I mean, I totally get it. Makes sense. Was she your first pregnancy? She was, yes. We we had an early loss before having her, but we weren't trying to conceive at the time. And we didn't actually realize we were pregnant until we were losing the baby. We were like 20. Um, and so then, yes, we weren't trying or anything at the time. I just had a really, really heavy period and it wasn't right. And I kind of went to the doctors and they were like, uh, you know, um, they took some bloods and they were like, your HCG is slightly elevated, but low. Um, they're like, you probably had a really early miscarriage. Um, and we kind of, you know, it was 
upsetting but we kind of thought nothing of it because you know we weren't trying at the time we kind of figured that was I guess for the best um and then yeah we had um our daughter when we actually started trying to conceive so we fell pregnant with her um within three months um and she was a healthy pregnancy everything went perfectly and it's just since having her that we've now encountered all of these additional issues as well wow so you did not struggle at all really to conceive her no um and we typically don't struggle to conceive we've been pregnant five times in the last two and a half years um so the times we've been trying we fall pregnant every two to three months um but all of our pregnancies have had um chromosomal or additional issues what was that first pregnancy like for you it was um I would say very textbook um I was really quite nauseous up until like 20 weeks um but apart from just feeling really sick um everything was perfect she was perfectly healthy she was born at um 39 weeks and six days like wow. you know nearly on the dot um it was a long labor I was in labor for about four days um oh in total goodness. but otherwise you know yeah can't complain about that she arrived safely and yes. you know absolutely yeah amazed by her and how has your daughter changed your life um oh gosh um she's just so I'm a I'm quite an anxious person just in the general sense of it um so I've had anxiety for um years um and somehow like although I had postnatal anxiety um and was diagnosed with that she somehow still grounds me like I would think that you know although I'm obviously very anxious for her well-being especially you know since having all of our losses and I suppose becoming more aware of I guess the fragility of life um makes me quite anxious for her well-being um yeah. But in those moments, she is what brings me down. Um, and, you know, that's a lot of, it's not something I want to place on a four-year-old's shoulders as, you know, you're the person who has to help mum. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's not something I, I guess, make her do, but it's just, you know, she's, she, yeah, she just calms me and brings me down. Um, she's the absolute light of our lives, especially now realising, I suppose, just how miraculous her existence is, um, you know, our fertility doctor has said, you know, this is maybe something you would have always dealt with um, and you were always going to miscarry. And she just somehow snuck through and was the one embryo that's made it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. She's um, which is very, which special. absolutely sounds like her. She is, um, she's an absolute pop rocket. <laughs> she's <laughs> full of life. She's got such a personality. Um, yeah. That's such a great answer um, that she's, you know, it's easy to say like, well, she's, she made me a mom, but the way that you could see how it's affected your energy is mm. really cool. And she sounds like a special little firecracker. Yes. <laughs> so I'm so glad you have her because you have unfortunately had several unsuccessful pregnancies since the birth yeah. of your daughter. Yes. So first, I just want to express how sorry I am for what you and your partner have, have been through. I mean, 
nothing, no one prepares you for that. And no one should have to go through it. So for you to have to go through it time after time is just absolutely devastating. Can you tell me about your first experience with pregnancy loss? Yeah, so we um, started trying to conceive right around my daughter's second birthday, um, which was, um, so we started about September. um, And then uh, we were pregnant by November. So um, very quick turnaround. Um, So um, we then had a five-week miscarriage. So that was... um, our first whilst trying to conceive um and I very much dusted myself off got back up and kept going about my business because I thought that's just what I had to do um Mm. and there was no support in that space and because it was you know a very early loss um you know I did receive comments of you know well you know it's just it's just cells it wasn't a baby yet um you know xyz and you know I had already like you know the moment we got that pregnancy test I was already you know how am I going to announce this to my parents how am I going to announce this to my in-laws you know how are we going to tell Kyla like you know so you've already built yourself this life and this imagining for this baby and then you know to have it taken away so quickly is um devastating and then to be told that you know you just need to pick yourself back up and keep on moving yeah it's such a common thing that people say and I think they mean well and it's with good and yeah. but it is so hurtful because you still go through the same, like you're saying, excitement. You find out that you're mm-hmm. expecting a baby and you start planning yeah. and start thinking ahead and start dreaming and how are you going to tell people? And to yeah. get that ripped away from you is, is devastating. Yeah, it absolutely. It is a loss. It is a valid loss. Thank you. <laughs> yes. You suffered from two separate molar pregnancies. Yes. So first, can you share what a molar pregnancy is? I had personally never heard of this. And I imagine okay. a lot of people haven't. Yeah, um, absolutely. It. I had never heard of it until I received a call from the hospital saying you need to come back in. You've had a partial molar. Um, so we fell pregnant in February. Um, I found out two days after our 10th anniversary um and then we um everything was looking perfect my hcg was rising really well um at seven and a half weeks i had a really big bleed we were at home um and i just felt this absolute gush um raced to the bathroom in you know hysterics um we called my mum for her to come and take me to the hospital so that my partner could stay with our daughter um it was like nine o'clock at night she was sleeping um i went to the hospital and they said you know you're likely miscarrying. It's a, like, it's a lot of blood. Um, and we, they kept me overnight cause they wanted to keep me in for observation cause they were worried I was going to hemorrhage. Um, and then we had an ultrasound the next morning and my bleeding had pretty much stopped. Um, the ultrasound showed that I still was pregnant but that I was looking at about five and a half weeks. Um, so they said, you know, your dates are out You're five and a half weeks. And I was like, Mm, I mean, I know when I ovulated. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I can tell you the day we had yeah. this pregnancy. Um, and they were like, you know, maybe it's just a little bit behind, you know, all there. and they were like, you know, we can't do anything. All we can see is and say is that you're five and a half weeks pregnant. We'll see you in two weeks um, for a follow-up ultrasound. If you have any big bleeding, come back. But until then, there's 
you know, we can't prevent it from happening. We can't help it along. It's just going to do what it does. How did they um, justify the bleeding? They said it was possibly, um, they called it a threatened miscarriage um, in the first instance um, and said that, you know, my body may have been starting to miscarry and then stopped. Um, and they said, you know, you could go on to miscarry um, or you could go on to have a healthy pregnancy and we just don't know yet. Um, so we went back in um, two weeks later and we had a baby um, that was measuring seven weeks um, with a heartbeat and they said everything is looking perfect for a seven-week pregnancy. At this point, we should have been nine. Wow. Um, and so we were measuring an additional five days behind from when the last ultrasound occurred. So we, so it hadn't grown a full two weeks in two weeks. It had grown a week and a half in two so weeks. What, um, what, were, what were you thinking when you say you, I'm sure it sounds like you were tracking your ovulation and you know yes. exactly when you ovulated. How were you justifying it to yourself? I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, that yeah. you still want to believe that yeah. fine. They're telling me it's seven weeks. It's measuring yeah. right on track. But yeah, you're, somewhere in your mind, you know that the date seems off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially, you know, getting towards when we had that second ultrasound and we were measuring seven weeks at nine and a half. And I was like, if this is accurate, I got a pregnancy test at two days pregnant. <laughs> I'm like, that's <laughs> not how pregnancy tests work. And I was trying to tell this to the doctor. And I'm like, you know, this is when I was like, this is a photo of my pregnancy test at this date if that matches up with what you're telling me, then I got a pregnancy test two days after we had sex. I'm yeah. like, that's not how pregnancy works. Yeah. Um, and they were like, yeah, we know, but we can't do anything. We can't tell you anything more. All we can say is, you know, it looks like you might've had a hematoma and you've bled that out. And now what we can say is you're measuring seven weeks and for a seven week pregnancy, everything looks perfect. Um, I requested another ultrasound a week and a half later um because they said you know we'd see you again in 12 at your 12 week mark mm -hmm. um which was you know four weeks away um and I said no I was like I'm not waiting four weeks um yeah. you know I, I want to see I was like can we do another one in two weeks and see where we're at um yeah. and they agreed to that um and then we went back with that two week mark when we should have been 12 weeks by original dates um and we had had a mis miscarriage um so our baby's heart had stopped beating at that point um, they've grown to about eight and a half weeks. Um, so their heart stopped in somewhere in the couple of days before that ultrasound. Um, yeah. And then we had DNC and that's, um, we got the results four weeks later from that to say, you needed to come back. You've had a partial molar. Um, so a partial, so there's two types of molar. There's a complete molar and a partial molar. So I had two partial molars. Um, a complete molar, from my understanding, happens when there's no DNA in an egg um, and a sperm fertilizes that egg. And because there's no DNA, a baby never forms, but you are pregnant, you feel pregnant, look pregnant, um, but your um, womb fills with cysts. Um, oh goodness. And those cysts um, are filled with fluid and Similarly to a partial molar, so ours was um, a single egg fertilized by true sperm, um, which um, is triploid syndrome, which is a baby with three entire sets of chromosomes. Um, so 
you can have a triploid pregnancy without having a partial molar, um, but the partial molar is the abnormal placenta. So when a baby has three sets of chromosomes, those abnormal cells cause the placenta to grow abnormally. You can have a baby that has triploid syndrome that doesn't um, have, you won't end up with a partial molar. So the partial molar is the abnormal placenta. Um, so the placenta grows with um, cysts and, in it and abnormal cells which make it grow faster than normal um and those cysts can later become cancerous tumors if you don't oh my god um, so with a partial molar you have to have a dnc is my understanding um because they want to make sure they get um those cells out of you as quickly as possible um and then i had to have my hcg tracked down to zero so it took 14 weeks for my hcg to reach zero after my DNC um, and oh in that time they're making sure that your pregnancy hormones are dropping appropriately because if they're not it can indicate that um, yeah your body is regenerating tumors um, and then you would have to have chemotherapy and I was lucky enough to not have to go down that path my HCG did drop normally um, but there are um, women, I think it's about 10 to 20% of partial molar or molar pregnancies that become um, cancerous. Oh my gosh. I've never heard of this. That's yeah. <laughs> and so what is giving the impression of a heartbeat? Because it's um, so had with, a heartbeat at some point. Uh, so with a partial molar, the baby does grow. Um, so you do, so we had, um, so our baby looked, um, normal they had a normal heartbeat um they just they're not compatible with life given the extra set of chromosomes um so i know of women who have had um you know given birth to babies with triploid um you know at like 36 37 weeks and they don't live long um because you know they can be missing parts of their brain or their heart doesn't form properly um, you know, their lungs don't develop properly, things like, you know, webbed feet. Um, yeah. They just, they don't develop um, as a baby normally would just because of those extra chromosomes. Wow. And can you have a partial molar without triploid or do they always go hand in hand? Um, always hand in hand. So you can have a triploid without it becoming a partial molar, but if you've had a partial molar, the baby has had triploid. Um, so that's, kind of its starting point um, yeah so it can be two sperm fertilizing a single egg um, or it can be a sperm that has had two sets of chromosomes in it I see my goodness what crazy news to get because not yes. only are you finding out that you've lost your baby mm. but now you're finding out there are potentially tumors growing inside of you yes how is this how do you respond to getting that news yeah um it was absolutely terrifying i found so they the hospital called me um on a friday and said we need to see you on tuesday come in because you've had a partial molar um and that was kind of all the information i was given um so naturally i turned to google um and all you're met with is hysterectomy chemotherapy um you know you, you're never going to have another baby they're going to take your womb um and i was like what is happening um and i called my partner and i was like they said that like the baby could give me cancer and he's like what are you talking about and i was like i don't know what i'm talking about because i don't know anything oh my gosh um, so scary yeah and so we had our appointment 
um, on the Tuesday we went in um, and they were lovely. They, you know, explained it all to me, but they said, you know, I was the first, um, one of the first two to come through that hospital having had a partial molar. Um, so they add you onto like a registry list um, that goes somewhere in the UK where they keep track of them all. Um, yeah, and then they started me on the weekly blood test. So every Monday morning I went to the hospital for a blood draw and then anxiously waited to see how my levels were going. Um, and, you know, at one point they stalled. Um, so my levels went from like 11 to 10 to 10 to nine. And I was, you know, it's so anxiety ridden when you're waiting for, and like, I just want to not be pregnant anymore. Like, like and did you feel you know, pregnant at that point? Yeah, so I um, was still, so obviously, you know, my HCG was still elevated um, for 14 weeks. So my, um, up until I suppose I'd had my second period after um, our loss, I was still nauseous. I was still bloated um so I still I guess looked a little bit pregnant probably not to anyone else but to me I could see those changes um and you know when you've had a loss and you're like I just want it to be over and you're still being reminded of all these things oh my gosh yeah like you want the chance to start moving on and don't even get that opportunity and 14 weeks is a long time yes it is when you're in it (laughs) yeah wow that's wow I'm so sorry you had to go through that that is it's torture day after day it's torture yeah if you have a molar or a partial molar pregnancy is the chance of recurrence likely um so the in the first instance there's a one in 1200 chance of having a partial molar Following that, you've got a one in a hundred chance. If you've had one, your chance of a second is one in a hundred. Granted, that's a 99% chance you're not going to have a second, um, which I clung to very tightly. Um, And then we did have a second. um, And so we now have a one in four chance of any pregnancy after this being another partial molar. Oh my gosh. So was your second partial molar the pregnancy right after the first uh no we had two five-week losses between so we were cleared to start trying again in august um and fell pregnant that month um and had a miscarriage at five weeks and we then fell pregnant in november um so i actually got a positive pregnancy test the day we should have been due with our 12-week loss um and we were um i suppose i thought it was a sign um from the universe I was like this is I was like this is a good sign babe this is you know to get a test on the same day that we should have been due I'm like that you know it feels like it feels like we've come full circle um and I ended up miscarrying a week and a half later um and then we fell pregnant in December um and had what we thought was a missed miscarriage um so everything was looking really good I had no bleeding during the pregnancy um I had no issues we went in for a seven week scan and everything was looking perfect we were measuring five days behind but they kind of said you know at this stage you know five days is a mil or it's a couple of mil um they're like you know it could be you know we're measuring slightly off were you ovulated you know two days later you implanted two days later than you normally would um 
and we had a heartbeat um, and everything was looking, you know, wonderful. Um, and so I asked for another scan two and a half weeks later, um, which was something I really had to fight for. Um, my doctor at the time was like, no, you get one at seven, you get one at 12. And I was like, you're not listening to me. I was like, I am. The same doctor that you had seen for your previous pregnancies? Um, yes, but she was a GP and I think she just didn't know. It, she just, it just wasn't in her scope. Um, so I ended up going and seeing someone else who was in the fertility space. Um, and he was like, yep, not a problem. He's like, mothers, he's like, your, your anxiety levels are not helping this at all. Why would we not give you an ultrasound? He's like, your health is just as important as this baby's. Yes, go and get an ultrasound. Um, so we went in at what should have been um, 11 weeks um, and baby didn't have a heartbeat. So we had another DNC scheduled. Um, we um, actually had a DNC on our anniversary, um, which is a lovely oh way to spend <sighs> our anniversary. We headed up to the hospital. Um, what a date. Yeah, that was like wonderful. Um, and then it took a really long time to get the results. Um, it was in the height of COVID. Um, and so it took about eight weeks before. Um, and so I was calling because I was like, I need to know. I was like, my HC, I was like, I've been taking pregnancy tests. My HCG is still elevated. And I know I'm not pregnant because you've told me explicitly to not get pregnant in case it's another molar. Um, I was like, I know I'm not pregnant. My HCG is still elevated eight weeks after a DNC. Wow. I was like this, I was like, to me, this screams another molar. Um, and they were like, yep, we don't have that information yet. You, you need to be patient. And I'm like, I'm not being patient. And I'm like, oh I, am, I, was like I am beside myself. I and how do they happening. expect you to be patient after yeah. you've gone through it before and you know yeah. what it can mean? Yes. And, and it especially, seems like each day would is crucial. Yeah. And that's what I was like, you know, if this is a partial molar, should someone not be monitoring my bloods by now? Should someone not be checking something? I was like, what if, you know, if the, what, in the worst instance, I was to develop those cancerous tumors because you've left me sitting here for eight weeks with no follow-up. Um, oh yeah. So it was, it was a struggle. And then they finally, um, I went, I ended up having to go back into hospital because I started hemorrhaging. Um, so I went in, and they found retained product. Um, so they said that I had about 10 centimeters across the top of my lining, um, a placenta that hadn't gone. Um, and they said that could be the reason for the HCG. Um, the midwife I spoke with at the hospital was absolutely wonderful. Um, I obviously just broke down in tears. And I was like, I just want this to be over. I was like, you know, no one's telling me anything. I don't know anything. Um, and cause they were deciding whether they do a second DNC um, but they were, I guess, on the fence because they were like, you know, we don't want to do this will be your third DNC in 12 months. That in itself poses risk of scar tissue. And, you know, if we perforate something accidentally, you know, there's always these risks. If your body is currently trying to get rid of it by itself, um, you know, we could just leave you to do that. Um, but she said, if it is a partial molar, then we do need to get in there and get it out. Um, she's like, but we don't have those results yet, so we don't know. <laughs> so, um, so she said that they had confirmed triploid, um, but they hadn't yet confirmed partial molar. So they'd done the testing on the baby, but hadn't been able to confirm the test results on the placenta. Um, so I ended up passing the retained product a couple of days later um, and then 
got a call a couple of days after that to say, yes, a confirmed another partial molar, please come back in. We need to start your weekly blood tests again. Um, and so that time it took about 16 weeks from my first oh my DNC to having reached zero. Um, and then at that point we ended up um, going to see a fertility clinic um, because we were like, we can't, not doing this again, no. um, you know, with a 25% chance of another molar if we just try again by ourselves. Um, so, yeah. Is, has anyone been able to tell you or give you an explanation for why you've had to endure so many losses? Um, our fertility clinic weren't, the initial partial molar, they pretty much say is bad luck. Um, they're like, you know, it can just be that two sperm managed to get in, which is meant to be scientifically impossible. Um, and they're like, that's just bad luck. Um, wow. The second one, they're like, that's just really bad luck. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, but they have, you know, we've done um, testing now on my partner and myself. Um, and my partner's sperm has higher bad morphology I think is the term um so he's got some sperm in there that don't literally have two heads but could be um yeah. you know that could have two sets of chromosomes in them or um you know he's got some that um you know could be getting in at the same time and my eggs not closing fast enough um so it's kind of been we've done two IVF cycles now um and we have a single embryo from um those cycles so we are currently waiting testing on that embryo to see if it has the right set if it has normal chromosomes um but it's been really um interesting in a sense I suppose that it's kind of given us some more answers um so uh, I've got low egg supply as well so I'm 25 and I've got the egg supply of a 45 year old wow. um so <laughs> we've yeah we've come up against every roadblock and it's been um yeah, and so then they, um, so my first IVF round, we only got five eggs. Um, and then they started me on a new protocol with additional medications. Um, and our last cycle, we got 18 wow. eggs, um, which was huge. And we were, you know, so stoked. And I was like, yes, this is, this is going to work. Um, so our first cycle, we didn't end up with any embryos. So we had, of the five eggs, three fertilized they all grew to day five they all made blasto two of them didn't have any cells in the middle to form a baby um and one of them had poor outer cell mass um so it wouldn't have survived a thaw and a freeze and a testing um and then our most recent cycle when we got 18 eggs um and they called us the next day and they're like you've only had six fertilized and I was like, what do you, how have we lost 12 eggs oh in God. 24 hours? Um, and they, the six all grew to day six. Um, and then we had, um, I think it was three with no inner cell mass, um, two with poor outer cell mass, so they couldn't form a placenta. Um, and one was completely intact um, and they were able to freeze him, take some cells, um, and we're now awaiting those test results. Um, so it was really interesting to see that, you know, it's indicative, I guess, of how we've been managed to falling pregnant so easily, but then miscarry so much because we're having, you know, all of our eggs that fertilize make it to day six, but none of them are high quality. 
So our doctor was like, this could be what's happening inside you, but now we can see what's actually happening. She's like, you know, um, I expected your embryos to perform as a 25 year old's embryos perform and they don't. She's like, but now we have that knowledge. She's like, this extra knowledge we didn't have. um, And hopefully that's something we can work with, I suppose. Wow. Well, when do you find out about that embryo? Um, It's a three-week wait um, and we're two weeks down. (laughs) Yeah, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for you. And now after doing all of this, like, of course, your little daughter is like a miracle that she did sneak through. (laughs) Yes, yes. That's what, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how she's here, but she was meant to be. um, And yeah, we're, you know, trying to come to terms with the fact that if this is the end for our journey that, we are obviously so very grateful and lucky to have her um, and we'll be a happy little family of three. <laughs> How does uh, IVF financing work in Australia? I mean, in, in New York, it's like $25,000 and my insurance does not cover it. Is that? Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, so ours is, um, I think it's 20 grand for a cycle. Um, that's Australian dollars. So I think are your dollars, your dollars are more than my dollars. So uh, not that I think it makes a difference, but um, <laughs> yeah, so it's 20 grand um, and we get about five back. Um, so, and then we have an additional, um, so when we have the testing done, it's $500 to um, take the cells and then it's $500 per egg that we wanted, oh, sorry, per embryo that we wanted tested. Um, Crazy. So yeah it's crazy Um, it's almost it's like a slap in the face you know yeah look at what you've had to go through you've endured five losses Mm. and just to get a a child and now as if that wasn't cruel enough you have to pay 20 25 yeah and, and you've done it multiple times yeah yeah and I think I guess what I didn't realize starting with IVF was that IVF in itself is not a guarantee. Um, you know, I was very much under the impression that if I pay my 20 grand, I get my baby. Um, and I, I think because I think that's all I'd ever heard. Like, you know, you hear people going through IVF, but you only ever hear from those people when they've got their baby. Right. Um, and there is this lack of resource and education that, you know, fertility treatment IVF doesn't necessarily mean you are going to have a healthy pregnancy doesn't necessarily mean you will get pregnant at all um you know you can go through this you know two three four five ten times and still have nothing to show for it but crippling debt exactly it's just cruel it's really torture it's so unfair it's just very unfair what gave you that courage and the strength to keep trying loss after loss Mm. um I don't know (laughs) even now I don't know um I I don't know if we will continue after this um because I'm tired (laughs) um I'm so very tired um and you know it's been this rigmarole um of these years of trying um and, you know, constantly being anxious about it, constantly being upset about it. And it feels like, you know, we can't move past it because we're still in the middle of it. Not that, you know, it's something 
we're going to move on from, but we haven't had that opportunity to kind of, I guess, start our lives outside of this chapter. Um, but in the same sense, you know, I knew or I felt like our family wasn't complete yet. Um, and I obviously have this yearning to have a second child um, and to give my daughter a sibling. She so very much wants a baby um, and it absolutely breaks my heart. Um, you know, she said to me yesterday, she was packing up um, some stuff from her room um, and putting it in um, her old bedroom, which we had set up as a nursery. Um, and she said, you know, oh, I'll put these in there, mum, um, for in case the baby comes, you know, the baby will play with these. Oh. Um, I'm like, yes, baby, hopefully. <laughs> um, mm. And she is somewhat aware of what is happening. So she was aware of two of our losses, um, the two that made it to ultrasound with heartbeat. We had told her um, we were confident. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, if I'd known what I know now, I don't know if I would have told her just that, you know, it's a lot for a little three-year-old heart to take. Um, but in the same instance, I guess I'm glad she's kind of on this journey with us and she is, you know, she's part of this team. She's part of these decisions, um, you know, in a sense. Um, huh. You know, if she comes home and finds me sobbing on the floor, I feel like I need to have, I guess, reasons for that. Um, so, you know, the the IVF round we went through that we didn't get a single embryo, I called my partner and I said, we have none. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, none, there's none. Um, and I was absolutely hysterical. My mum came over because I'd called my sister. My sister lives, um, you know, a six hour plane right away. She was like, do you want me to get on a plane? Do I need to come home? Oh and I was like, no. I was like, what are you going to do? <laughs> and she's like, do you need my eggs? And oh. I was like, I don't know if your eggs are going to help. <laughs> I was like, oh. she's 21. And she's like, I'll give you, my, like, she's like, take my eggs. Oh, so <laughs> they won't take your eggs. You're too young and you haven't had a baby. They won't let me take your eggs. Um, so, yeah, he went and picked up our daughter from daycare. Um, and he said to her, you know, mummy's really sad. We're going to go get mummy some flowers. We're going to go get mummy some dinner because mummy's feeling really sad today. And she said, oh, what's happening? She's like, well, you know, it's, it's really hard to make a baby at the moment. Um, you know, mummy and daddy were trying to make a baby and the doctors are trying to help, but sometimes it's really hard. Um, and she reckons, don't just put your seed in mummy's belly. Just put it in and the baby oh. grows. Oh, my God. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, you know, that is, that is what happens. But sometimes, you know, the seed's not strong enough or, you know, we're putting it in, it, it's the wrong soil and it doesn't grow sometimes, but sometimes it grows just a little bit. And then, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't last and it can't come home to us. Um, and yeah, so it's, you know, it's been hard trying to parent um, whilst navigating that grief and whilst navigating having these conversations with her, you know, in a way that's age appropriate, um, yes. but it's also, I guess, staying truthful to what we want to share with her. I can't imagine having to process your grief hmm. and also a parent and be mm. explain why you are experiencing that yeah I wonder does breaking it down to three or four year old terms help you wrap your mind around it any easier yeah it does um it does sometimes I think because you know four-year-olds are so very blunt <laughs> and very blatant um that you know it kind of cuts through some of the noise and it's very just 
this is how it is. Um, you know, and I said, um, I said to her once, you know, if it's, you know, the doctor's trying to help, but if it doesn't work, then, you know, it's just going to be me, you and daddy. And, you know, me, you and daddy are great together. We love each other. We're a family. It doesn't matter. She's like, yeah, me, you and daddy are a pretty good team. Like, yeah. So, Gosh. you know, so it's just, and getting that reassurance from her. Cause you know, one of the hardest things is feeling like I'm letting her down and feeling like I failed her in this space. And she's, you know, she says, you know, you know, this friend's had two babies, you know, they've got a baby brother and a baby sister. How come I don't get my baby brother and my baby sister? And I'm like, I don't know, baby. I don't have those answers for you. Um, yeah, sometimes the world just sucks. <laughs> that's the answer. I mean, that's, yeah, that's like the hard lesson to learn before. But... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She'll learn it at some point. So yeah. why not at four? <laughs> yeah. So how are you different today after having mm-hmm. you endure five pregnancy losses and mm-hmm. everything that comes with that? Yeah. Um, I'm more pessimistic. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, You know, things like, you know, our embryo at the moment, um, our doctors advise that we have a 70% chance of it being abnormal. Um, And so, you know, my mum was like, but that's a 30% chance that it won't. And, you know, that it'll be good. And I was like, yeah, I had a 99% chance that I wasn't going to have a second (laughs) mother. And so, you know, just, you know, and I think it's also a way to cope with it you know, putting those barriers up and being like, okay, this isn't going to work. I suppose convincing myself that it's not going to work um, and breaking my own heart before someone else can. Um, Yeah. You know, it's a way to kind of, I guess, cope through it. Um, But also, you know, I think it was about that third loss that I realized I couldn't keep going like this. I couldn't keep shoving it down and pushing it away and pretending that I wasn't hurting. Um, and that's kind of where my platform, I suppose, came from. And that's when I started um, writing my book as well um, and being kind of like, you know, there's there's got to be another way to do this. There's got to be a healthier way to do this, to be able to process this grief um, and come to terms with it and be able to heal through it instead of pretending it didn't happen and pushing it away. Yes. Um, yeah. So true because it's there and it's not going to go away. And yeah. you either process it now or you bottle it up and it comes out. Yeah, it explodes. So yeah. I know we all know Instagram is never a real representation of reality, mm. but you do have such a beautiful, supportive, inspiring presence on your Instagram account. Thank you. How are you able to channel your grief and the day-to-day processing into helping and inspiring other people yeah um I suppose I just keep putting messages out there that I wanted to hear Mm. um and you know I obviously my page kind of started as poetry which is what I um I did in the first instance um and then I started slowly doing some more pregnancy loss stuff um and then I've kind of switched it now. So I'm predominantly doing pregnancy loss um, mixed in with my poetry that mainly encompasses grief. Um, but yeah, just being able to, you know, share things that I wanted to hear and that I wish someone had told me um, 
And I'm like, that's, I suppose, all I can do to kind of stay true to myself. Um, and there are things that I still need to hear um, as well. And I suppose by giving those messages to others, I'm also able to take them on myself. Um, you know, I did a reel yesterday that um, was, um, I guess, affirmations. And it was like, you know, you are strong, you are worthy, you are brave. And I just started tearing up in the middle of it. And I kind of hadn't expected it. And then it was, you know, right around the point where it's like, um, you know, you will get through this because you've already gotten through it. Um, and I just started tearing up and I was like, I don't know what just happened, but clearly I needed these messages more than I realized. And this is probably just, you know, if this is just for me, then that's absolutely perfect because I need these as well. Um, yeah. And being able to remind myself that, you know, I am allowed to grieve um, and I am allowed to feel these things um, and that everything I'm feeling is valid. Um, yeah. Yes, that is, that is such an important lesson that we can never, ever tell ourselves too many times. Mm -hmm. I, I actually made this bracelet that says, feel it because it oh. is a daily reminder to myself to feel what I need to feel. Yeah. And if I, if that means crying, great, whatever it is, but giving myself that permission to just feel the emotions. It's such an important reminder. And I love that what you're doing is inspiring tons of people, but also helping you heal through it, which is so yeah. important. And you touched on something that I, I'd love to ask you, which is what do you wish you knew about miscarrying or pregnancy mm. loss before it happened to you? Um, that you are allowed to grieve this. Mm. Um, I think that was one of the biggest things that I felt like I wasn't entitled to this grief. Um, and I felt like what I had been through was, you know, insignificant in comparison to what, you know, some other people go through. And so I'm like, you know, I, I'm not allowed to feel grief because I am already so lucky. Um, and yeah, knowing that, you know, you're allowed to feel this grief and everything you are feeling is valid, you know, and that there is so many emotions that come with pregnancy loss outside of sadness. You know, I was angry with the world. I was irritable. I was anxious. I was, you know, depressed. I felt unworthy. Um, you know, there's so many things and it's such a myriad of emotions and feelings that, all need to be felt and all need to be, you know, held space for. Yes, exactly. That's so true and powerful and important because I feel like it's so easy to say, or for other people to say that people have it so much worse. It could always yeah. be worse. Yeah. Um, sure, it could always be worse, but that doesn't mean yeah. your feelings are not valid. Yeah. So Ash, what gives you hope for the future? Um, I think knowing that I'm going to be okay, regardless of how mm. this pans out. Um, and I suppose, you know, still coming to terms with that, but being able to find those moments of joy um, outside of this journey um, and knowing that, 
you know, there are other aspects in my life that are just as wonderful and just as beautiful. Um, and I will have more time for those if, if this doesn't work, you know, and um, yeah. Yeah, I, you're, it's basically the next, what is the next chapter for you? Yeah. Being able to just move towards what that is, whatever it may yeah. be. And Closing a chapter, never forgetting it, but closing it's always yes. part of your story. It's always part of your family, but seeing what's next for you. And yeah, absolutely. I wish you the best of luck, whether it's through this IVF journey or not, just finding the peace that you need and the healing that you need and that you deserve because you've been through more than most people should ever have to go through. And I'm so sorry, but I thank you so much for sharing your story with me. You're such a pleasure to speak to and Absolutely. Such a light. you really are a thank light. you and thank you so much for having me and all the best thank you for listening to unexpecting join our community by following us on instagram at unexpecting podcast if you'd like to share your story on our show email us at unexpectingpodcast at gmail.com. You can support this podcast by visiting anchor.fm slash unexpecting. Be kind to yourself. Be patient. And remember, today's teardrops are tomorrow's rainbows. Take care.